Good morning, Chicago. You're listening to Inspirational Perspective. I'm your host, Linnell Harris, Chicago's very own life coach, right here on WBON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. Inspirational Perspective on your radio is all about murdering mediocrity and living the best life possible. So as I ask you every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time, are you living the best life possible? And this is the place to be to explore that possibility. Well, we're 49 days into the new year. Did you know that? 49 days and 10 days away from the end of February. So, are you taking advantage of 2018 or are you letting it slip by? Are you taking advantage of this new beginning? Because it's still the beginning, folks. It's still the beginning of the year. All right. Now, here's the deal. Based on research, based on data, those of you who have set goals, those of you who have New Year's resolutions, I know many of you have already given up. Based on the research, you've given up. You've actually thrown in the towel. We haven't even hit day 50, and you've thrown in the towel on your goals. But lucky for you, you're listening today, so you'll be inspired. Now, one in ten people, right, one in ten people are still pushing forward. They're still forging forward. And if you're one of those people, then lucky for you, you're listening today because we're going to be working to encourage you. But let me tell you something. I think that the fact that one in two people achieve their goals is a sin, and I'm out to change that. So today, I want to explore why that is and how we all can turn that around in 2018 right now. All right? And we're going to attack two specific categories to do that because I know one thing that we all have goals in, that is work. And money, 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 money. All right. I got your attention yet. I say it again. I'm going to say it the other way. Money and work. Okay. Now, to help me do that, I have Matt Sapala in the studio this morning. I'm excited to have you, brother. How are you? High five, baby. Yeah, man. man. Glad to be here. Good morning, Chicago. Money smart guy in the house. Yeah, excited to have Matt in the studio this morning. So we're going to be talking about work. We're going to be talking about money, but we're also going to be talking about Matt's story. For those of you all who don't know who Matt is, um, what his story is, why. And by the way, you guys know I just don't have random folks drop through. Okay. <laughs> um, so if I have someone in the studio, I, I believe that not only I can get something from them, but that all of us can get something from them. And so a few of the things that Matt and I are going to be talking about this morning. I'm going to be asking a lot of questions, sure, right? Because you're the expert, okay. Especially when it comes to money. Let's do it. Because if you go to social media right now, you can find Matt out on social media as the money smart guy. That's correct. All right, he's the first one to get the handle, and probably the one that deserves the handle. All <laughs> <laughs> right. So good thing some other guy doesn't have that, right? That's right. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Walking around in his tims with a couple of bucks in his pocket and talking about, "I got you." <laughs> <laughs> you already know. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we got Matt Sapala. Um, you can follow him at Money Smart Guy on social media. But Matt, some of the questions I'll be asking you today mm-hmm. is what does it take to be successful as an entrepreneur? What does it take to be successful as All an right. entrepreneur? And also, 
I want to know what your perspective is on why so many Americans are disengaged in their work. So we're going to be talking about work. We're going to be talking about money. And by the way, when I say their work, I'm not just talking about people who show up to nine to fives, right? Because I, yeah. I think you and I as entrepreneurs kind of understand why they may be disengaged. It's not their company. It's not their work. Mm-hmm. They don't see most of the money, right? right? I mean, in terms of their salary, I mean, they're worth, you know, a lot more to their organization than what they're getting, right? Yeah, right. Let's course, be clear. 100%. Okay. Back when I was in corporate America, I was making a good dollar, good dollar. And, you know, I, I would think all the time, if they will pay me this. What are they really making? What are they really making off me? And how much could I be making if I was working for myself? Mm. That's the question. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about that too. Okay. But the, the other question I want to ask, and this will be in the second hour. So the first hour, we're going to be talking about work. I want to hear Matt's philosophies on work, entrepreneurship, your story, sure. right? Sure. Because uh, where'd you grow up, Matt? Well, my first house was on the west side of Chicago, right there in Hamlin and Thomas. Where'd you grow up? So west side. So I grew up in Cicero, Stickney, Brown area. That's where I graduated. That's where my formal, uh, what do you call it, the formulative, uh, teenage years. There's a lot of mansions out there. Uh, mansions, you know, <laughs> depends on what you classify, what your definition of mansion is, but, uh, two flat, right. three flat brickstone. Right. But uh, not many mansions. No, no, no. Okay. So not, not an area where, you know, the wealthy live. Absolutely not. Okay. Not middle class, not. basically. Middle class. All right. You know, probably, you know, blue collar, uh, middle class, lower middle class. And, and let me tell you why I'm getting that, that out the way right now. Because I don't want anybody who listens to this show today to have a preconceived notion yeah. that <laughs> you, sir, came up with a silver spoon in your mouth, right? That's right. And that you had it laid out. It was all figured out. Mm-hmm. And, and basically everything you've accomplished was given to you. That's right. That's right. Because is that true or that not? That is 100% true. Our family comes from the Philippines. And, uh, you know, our, our, our family, we knew nobody over here. Okay. Absolutely nobody. So, you know, you're making, you know... $30,000 a year was, you know, millionaire status in our context. As a matter of fact, I've shared this on the show before, but when I was growing up, I asked my, my mom and dad, are we rich? <laughs> right? Because we had, you know, nice bungalow home, mm-hmm. one bathroom, right? Yeah, it was eight yeah, of us. Everybody right? shared. I didn't, I, but I didn't know that families that big had more bathrooms. I mean, really? You know, one bathroom should be enough. Just hurry up. <laughs> right? Right, right? But that's, I mean, it was a nice home. Don't get me wrong, right. but we weren't rich. Right. I felt rich because so many people around me were in poverty. Mm. Right. Mm. Interesting point. Right. And one of the things I believe that really slows a lot of us down is we got it good. Right. Right. I might. I might. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I'm driving. I got a car. Right. I mean, it's got heat. House has got heat. Right. Bed is soft. A little bit of food. Pillows warm. Mm-hmm. Right. And we all have this dream for more, but we don't get to it. We're going to talk about that, too, in terms of our yeah. work. Love to. All right, cool. So Matt Sapal in the studio. Now, those of you who want to join the conversation, you can give me a phone call at 773-591-1690. You can ask Matt any question that you have. Ask me any question that you have. Again, this is free coaching, folks. Free coaching on work and money. Matt, free. Work and money, okay? I don't know how often that happens. Not at all. All right, so we're going to be talking work, money. So, Matt, tell me a little bit about your childhood, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned that your family, so you're first generation? I'm first generation born here in America. Okay, okay. Yeah. And, and so your family, you grew up in the Philippines? Right, so I was, actually, I'm first generation born here. Mm-hmm. So my my folks... Okay, you were born here. Yeah, I was okay. born here. And uh, our first house was in Hamilton Thomas on the west side of Chicago. My mother was a nurse. And it's kind of like the Fil- the Filipino traditional occupation. Got it. Right, so she was a nurse, and she was working um, downtown Chicago, and then our first home home was in Humble Park. 
And then we moved to Wrigleyville. And then my uh, eighth grade through high school and all that was in the Berwyn, Cicero, Stickney area. I went to Morton. So any Morton Mustangs out there? Oh, wow. Good friend of mine, uh, Shorty Torres, went to Cicero. He just won his uh, fight on Friday night at Titan FC. Okay. He's, he's one of our sponsored fighters and uh, very proud of him. He knocked him out in, I think, the first couple couple minutes, right? But he's getting a call right now from the UFC nice. to, to fight in MMA. But he's from, he's from nowhere, too, as well. So You know, as a matter of fact, I saw that you had him on a, a interview. I did. Okay. Yeah, I, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Shorty right. Torres, you know. So. And, and the subject, you know, not to digress, but mm-hmm. I think this is important. The subject of that interview was? Mental toughness. Mental toughness. Yeah, be mentally tough, man. To especially yeah. be an entrepreneur. But I would say... I would say also to be someone that works in corporate America, especially a person of color mm. that works in corporate America, you got to be <laughs> mentally do. tough. Yeah. You must be. Yeah, because, you know, the conversation, you know, for example, my wife, you know, she's she's half white, half black, American, uh, Indian and Cuban. OK. And she's always fought to get higher in corporate America. She's worked for Stryker Medical mm-hmm. and she found it in sales. So she was working inside sales. But she finally got a territory after three, four years being inside. She finally got her own territory, working hospitals. By the way, that's how I met my wife. Okay. Because my mother was a nurse, visiting, ah. visiting my mom, right? And the next thing you know, I see this beautiful, gorgeous, just gorgeous woman just sitting on a hospital bed. I'm like, my, my goodness, I got to turn on my entrepreneurial skills and <laughs> learn how to prospect and put those, put those to task. Right. And so, you know, listen, because I was an entrepreneur, it gave me confidence to approach my now wife. How about that? Because a lot of guys, we don't approach the girl we want to talk to because we're afraid of getting turned down. No. Oh, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> and, oh, we're going to talk about that. All right. See, all these things going through my head already. I'm like, okay, we're going to talk about no and how Ooh. people relate to the word no yeah. and how it stops so many people from achieving their dreams. Yeah. Because I, that's a big – now, think about that, right? If you hadn't approached your wife because you were afraid that she would say no, you wouldn't be married no, to I, her. I would be married. I may not even be here. You know, wow. there's, there's been such a blessing after we made that union to say, you know what, let me, let's get, get, let's get, let's get right with God, right? Get our personal life in order. Mm-hmm. So therefore our business life and everything externally can get in order. I got to get it right first. Me. That's my right. priority. Right. Right. Once I got that foundation, uh, boom. Love it. Life 10 times, man. My wife told me no. How many times did she say no? <laughs> 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 the first time I asked her out the coffee, no. Hey, can we meet for coffee again? No. I had to get creative to get that yes. And right. I, it was not a day. I said, hey, this is a networking event. Because <laughs> she's an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what works on a woman that's an entrepreneur? A networking event. There's a networking event that included a movie. I like to, I like to, I like to pick your brain. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And there's other people there that would be great for your business. <laughs> okay. It wasn't even a yes. It was okay. okay. I didn't get a yes to the next day when I was like, I really want to take you out. Right. It's like, all right. Yes. Look at that. Yeah. And not really a date. I just want to learn more about life coaching. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's all right. Just come on with me by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> the rest smooth, is history. Smooth getting in there, man. Hey, said, but, but the point is, yeah. if you settle, yeah. if you settle for that, I mean, for not asking because you're going to get a no or you're anticipating a no, so many things don't happen. Settling equals mediocrity. I'm with you yeah, on that. We want to murder I'm with that. you on that. All right. So, so back to your story. Sure. So here you are, young man. You went to high school, college. What happens after that? Well, so I never went to college. Never went to college. I'm sorry, to college. sorry, yeah, sorry. So I went okay. to high school, and I was touring some some college. So wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Here we go. I mean, not not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't go to college. I, I, you know, I t- 
after the Marine Corps, I took a couple of years in college with my GI Bill, but not directly out of high school. And your net worth is over a million. Yeah. Easy. How about yeah. that? Yeah. That makes two of us. Actually, actually, no, I'm a co-owner. I haven't done this lately. We got to meet with our accountant, but I'm a co-owner of a decamillion. I'm, I'm a co-owner of a hundred million dollar company. So, so man, yeah. and now one of the things I always say, man, I, I say this on the show all the time that we're not taught what we need to know in school. No. Right. So when we go through, you, you said it, right. I didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. What did that do to you, your psyche, knowing, okay, I didn't go to college, I went to the Marines. Now, and I want to talk about the Marines, so we're going to come back to sure. that. But let's just fast forward to when, you know, you're honorably discharged. Right. And now you're like, okay, what's next? Mm-hmm. Like, what does that do when you're like, okay, I don't I don't have a degree. Yeah. I don't have, you, you do have that background in the Marines. Sure. Well, I'm sure you develop some mental toughness. Of course, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. But how did that shift your mind in terms of how you had to learn to be successful? So when I left the Marine Corps, I was a single father with custody of my son. Okay. And I had to find a way to make dual income. I couldn't stay in the Marine Corps because I was attached to a special operations unit and said, hey, Sapala, you are deployable tomorrow and you can't have custody of your kid. Wow. So as much as you fought in court to get custody of your son, all that legal fees that you had to pay, all that heartache, Listen, you got to give them back to the mom because you're a, your first job as your priority is a deployable special operations United States Marine. Whoa. So talking about mental toughness, so I had to choose. I had to choose versus a career I loved but didn't pay me enough versus being a father. And wow. I think I, I think through my process of how disconnected I was with my dad growing up, I wanted to be a father. Yeah. And so I chose that. Now, we're getting recruited into the financial services industry. I wish I could say I was smart enough to find – myself interviewing for a financial company, but a recruiter found me first. Mm-hmm. And I was like, first of all, man, I'm inadequate. I don't have a college degree. I don't have a financial background. I don't even have any business background. Okay. I don't even know how to sell. Okay. He says, listen, you have character. I can teach you skill. Mm. But if you, if you come here with character, not to say that you're not going to go through failures, but if you have high character, mental toughness, and that's settled, we can teach you everything you need to know. All right. So two things that you had that he said – would work for you. Mm-hmm. Character, mental toughness. No degree. Nope. No sales background. Nope. Right? Or no no love for sales, right? Because you have some people who just love that, man. They just love to sell folks, yeah. right? And then you have others like us who are kind of like, okay, got to do this. Right. If I want to maintain, right? If I want to, so I, I got to get this competency under my belt. Mm. And so you, you basically, I'm guessing you learned these things. I did because I had to survive. You know, as much as I needed time to learn something to pay the bills. The bills weren't waiting. Mm. You know, rent needed to be paid. You know, my son, school, later on, my twins, diapers, all these different things started coming along. And then I had to find ways to make sure that I was making double the income and flexibility to drop off my kids, pick up my kids, do things that parents do, homework and and dinner and activities and all that stuff. You know, and I, I needed to find a way to do that in six, eight hours a day. Wow. Wow. So, so hold on. Six to eight hours a day. That's key too. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things I find, I have people call into the, to the show sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I have clients who say, Linnell, I just don't have enough energy. I'm fatigued by the end yeah. of the day. Um, because there's really, I mean, when you think yeah. about your day, right? Even if you don't sleep eight hours, let's say you, you sleep six hours, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Most people, the time it takes them to leave for work and get home from work, that's about 12 hours on average, yeah, right? Yeah. In terms of like complete turnaround from getting ready that morning yeah, to actually, commuting. to actually yeah. getting home and saying, okay, now what? 
Yeah. Right. About 12 hours. So that leaves us, leaves most people about four to six hours. And yeah. you're telling me you use that time how? Yeah. So I use that time to continue growing my business, to continue to developing myself. So give, give me some tangibles, yeah. like, like doing what? Like, what were yeah. you doing? So for example, because I thought it was inadequate coming out the Marine Corps, mm-hmm. I took time to go to school to DePaul. Okay. To take my GI Bill to learn financial planning. Right. And so I remember my professor and the rest of the kids at school, which I had a chip on my shoulder because everybody's younger than me, but they thought they were smarter than me. Right. Right. So what, what do you know? I just spent eight years in the Marine Corps. I'm 24, 25 years old at the time. What do you know more about life? You're smarter than me. You're kicking my tail here in class, but man, I know more about life than you do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to become an entrepreneur. Like, yeah, right. What mm. are you going to be doing? I'm working for Tia Karef. I'm working for Vanguard. I'm working for the big bank, Northern Trust. Right. I'm working for the big banks with my financial planning. Okay. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm already inadequate because I don't have a college degree. I'm even more inadequate because nobody's following the entrepreneur path. I was. Mm. And then my, my professor, Mr. Adams, he's like, what are you going to do? I'm going to be in business. I'm going to own my insurance deal. I'm going to own my own, you know, financial deal. It's like, ha, ha, ha. Like, why are you laughing at me? I'm, this is financial planning class. You know, I can't own my own business. So, well, I'm a adjunct professor here and I'm a CPA. Right? So everybody's laughing at me. Two years later, right? I'm, I'm getting this thing launched off. And I see Mr. Adams' class. I'm taking his tax planning class. Right. And so how's that thing you're doing? I'm like, well, I'm starting to make $10,000 a month now. He says, what, what, what are you talking about? Because <laughs> you know why, Lanel? I started hanging that's around. six figures, by the way. That's figures. Yeah. Because I started hanging around with people. They were making six figures. All right. So, all right. Let's, let's, let's slow down. You, <laughs> there's a lot that you're saying oh. that I want to dissect. Okay. Okay. Yeah. First, you were told that you couldn't. You right? can't. Right. Right. We got a lot of similarities. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it sounds like that fires you up. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tell me I can't. one of my favorite lines by Kanye is I used to hate from, I, I used to hate esteem to power my dreams. Ooh. Right. That's right. I mean, I, I love that line because I've been told I couldn't do a lot of things. I mean, one of them was speak. Mm-hmm. And right? you do that very well. Well, I, I mean, I developed it. Yeah. Cause I didn't speak that well. I couldn't articulate my thoughts. Right. I would get nervous, but I knew I wanted to speak. Yeah. So I practiced, practiced, practiced. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I was told I couldn't. I, I was told I couldn't be a leader. I was told I couldn't do a lot of things. And what I'm hearing is that you were told you couldn't. That's right. So why didn't you believe them? You know, I guess it's a weird thing inside you says, you know what? I don't care what your opinion is of me. I know more about me regardless of if whether I had the pedigree mm-hmm. or the circumstances or the upbringing. Cause at that time I didn't. I was always dreamt when I was playing, when I was playing high school football. I always dreamt me catching that touchdown. Mm, okay. Right? Bomb it to me, man. Throw me the ball, which never happened <laughs> in high school. Right. You know, cause we ran an option offense and we had, we had a, uh, we had a wishbone offense. It wasn't like these spread options. Right, right. Where you have today. So no deep passes like no that. No deep passes. Right. I mean, we ran the ball left, we ran the ball right, option quarterback, right? Pop pass maybe to me, but I never caught the deep pass because I grew up during the Chicago Bears era. But there's something important about that because you saw it in your head. Mm. You saw yourself being a winner in your mind yes. at a young age. Yes. And that there's some, that's something that you could do. And if the ball was in the air, yep. you would catch it. Mm-hmm. Give me the ball. I'll, I'll come up and get it. And, and, and the reason I'm pointing that out is because one of the things I talk about on the show a lot is how we view ourselves yeah. in our minds. Yeah. Right? A lot of us, we get beat not by the person that says we can't. But we get beat by ourselves, by our mental self-talk. Mm. That's like, who you think you are? Yeah. You can't do that. Right. You don't deserve like, that. You really think, who, who, who else looks like you that's done that? <laughs> right? Who, who else 
doesn't have a college degree that's achieved that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, because I went from entry level in corporate America to vice president officer of a company without a bachelor's degree. Wow. Constant, constant self-talk that I had to knock down was not possible, dude. Yeah. Not possible. In my, in my head, I'm like, yes, it is possible. Yeah. I am a vice president. I am. Right. So that's self-talk. So tell me a little bit about your self-talk. So my self-talk when I was in the Marine Corps, when you were a certain rank and you're looking, let's say, for example, I'm a, I'm a Lance Corporal mm-hmm. and I want to become a Corporal. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a Corporal and I want to become a Sergeant. We had the self-talk saying like this, act as if, mm-hmm. act as if you're the next man up. Act so this, you were trained this. Yep. I was trained this in, in the Marines. Yep. Yeah, was, the Marine Corps is my daddy. <laughs> Still I mean, my but, daddy. but this is, but this is, this is, this is excellent because it shows that it can be trained, right. which means that anybody can learn how to do it. Yep. Bada bing, bada bang. You don't have to have all the tools at the beginning to get started. You just have to be putting, putting yourself in a position where you can acquire those, those mm-hmm. tools. And even my mentors in the Marine Corps weren't even my platoon sergeants. Cause I looked at other platoon sergeants like you, you were in the, you were in the, you were the drill instructor. Mm-hmm. You were a Marine security guard. You did so much in your tour compared to my staff, which I respected. But I gravitated to the sergeant, the platoon sergeant that had more experience in the fleet marine force. All right. So let me, let me tell you all something. What I just heard from, from Matt. If you want to develop mental toughness, if you want to develop characteristics and traits and competencies that you don't have, you need to go find yourself a mentor or a leader to help you do those things. Right. Like put, you know, get yourself underneath them. To do those things. We, uh, a few weeks ago, we had, we were talking about Martin Luther King and I was talking about how he was a virtual mentor. Why did I choose him as a virtual mentor? Because he had characteristics. He had ways of being that I admired that I wanted to be able to take on for myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so then what do I do? I study the man. Yeah. I read everything he wrote. I listen to everything he said so I can take those things on. What I hear you saying is, look, folks. If you want to be a winner, you got to follow a winner. That's it. Period. So let, so let, that's a great point. So Matt Sapala, by the way, is speaking at the Murder Mediocrity Summit Woo, coming up yeah. March 31st, 2018. Um, he is going to be covering the work and money pillar. He's presenting on the work and money pillar. I think you're starting to figure out why. <laughs> right? Why? And, and by the way, we're only 30 minutes in and we still got 90 minutes left. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. If you're interested in going to the Murder Mediocrity Summit, you can go to MurderMediocrity.com to purchase your tickets. Right now, tickets are 30% off. Now, that's for a limited time. That's for a limited time, folks, because let me tell you, it's not going to stay that way. I keep telling you all, I have to go up on the prices as I market, okay? 30% off. So get out there, get your tickets, murdermediocrity.com. Matt Zapala covering pillar number three, work and money. Work and money. Work and money. Now, last week, Matt, we had on Love McPherson. She's a relationship and love coach. Yes. Or a, 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 a relationship expert and coach. Okay. Man, she, she, that mic right there was hot by the time she left. I imagine it's going to be just as steamy. Just warming up now. Right <laughs> yeah, we're now, just warming now. up right now, right? Um, and then, uh, announcement in terms of the speaker who will be covering health and well-being, everyone. Dr. Camila Stevenson will be in the building covering health and well-being. Now, if you don't know who Dr. Camila Stevenson is, you need to go Google her, Google her. All right. 
and find out about who find out who she is. Listen to her YouTube videos because this woman is amazing when it comes to health and well-being. And one of the reasons why she will be there is because she's a researcher and she understands what it takes for us to live our best life. It ain't just about going to the gym and working hard. Okay, sometimes these things aren't that hard. Sometimes it's just about having the right knowledge. And she's going to be dropping that knowledge, everybody. So um, Dr. Camila Stevenson covering pillar number one. Love McPherson covering pillar number two, which is relationships and love. And then Matt Zapala, who's in the studio this morning covering work and money. Ka-ching. All right. The fourth pillar is purpose and spirituality. And yours truly will be covering that one. All right. So, Matt. Yep. We're talking about mentorship leadership in work and um who was one of your worst leaders you don't got to name them but tell me what you learned from them and and as you're thinking here's here's one of the reasons i'm asking because all too often when it comes to our work we're at effect yeah of the person who's leading us right okay and uh when we, we're at effect of them and sometimes what happens is we allow that person to dictate how we show up we allow that person to dictate our success. We allow that person to dictate what it is that we create and even the money that we make. Right. Oh, I, well, I can't really do well because I don't have the support I need. If my boss was just a little bit better, yeah. I'd be able to make more money, especially if your sales or commission or something like that. He doesn't lift me up. He doesn't help me the way I need him to help. Um, and my worst leader was my best teacher. Hmm. Now, at the time, I didn't realize that. Okay. But I learned confidence from my worst leader yeah, because she was wrong all the time. <laughs> but she said it confidently. Right. Oh, and because I was the because I was the expert, because I was the expert, I knew she was wrong. But I would be hesitant in terms of how I would speak. Right. Mm-hmm. And I learned confidence in my speaking from her. Like, man, if this woman can speak and be wrong all the time, I could be speaking and be right about the things I know I'm sure, right about. Sure. Right. So what did you learn from one, one of your worst leaders? I think one of the things I learned from them was the expectation and entitlement that they had. Granted, because they're a boss. In my opinion, when I was in the Marine Corps, you were a leader because not but what your title said, but mm-hmm. what you did mm-hmm. in training, what you did in the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you are a leader, regardless of title, and you think people need to be subordinate to you, mm-hmm. I just didn't like that. So I think using your approach, when I decided to become a leader, I wanted to become a leader that people can respect, that uh, had moral authority. Because mm-hmm. this person, uh, when I my first job was a uh, uh, the Marine Corps, thinking I was going to stay in Southern California, was a sales job for a protein company called Metrex. They used to sell uh, uh, Troy Aikman, a lot of these okay. athletes. Okay. Uh, yep. And so I was I was taking a sales, did my first job in sales, but she expected me just to kind of bow down to her. Just because she was a boss. Right. Like she get mad at me for clocking in at instead of seven o'clock, seven o'clock and 30 seconds. Oh. Seven o'clock. I'm like, what, what's, what's the issue? You're supposed to clock in at seven o'clock. Oh, well, wow. I was in, I was in uh, the break room getting a protein shake together to get my jam on so I can sell a ton of stuff. And you get mad for clocking in at seven o'clock and 30 seconds. Wow. Wow. Really? That, that particular, and yet you're leading a bunch of salespeople <laughs> who don't like to be controlled. Right. 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 And so. Uh, that, her, her was worse. That's the first time I ever got fired from a job. And the last time I got fired from a job, by the way. Oh, right. Good feet, man. I got yeah. fired a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Cause after that, I decided, you know what? I'm never going to be fired again. I'm never going to let okay. anybody control because here's the way nice, I look at nice. work. Here's all the way I look at money. He that controls your money, mm-hmm. he that controls your income, controls your life. Boom. I don't want to be controlled. 
Gotcha. So I learned that from my worst leader because she felt entitled. And the boss above him, her, he felt entitled. I, I wanted to respect. I wanted to work with you. I wanted, I wanted to jam out with you. But I'm not going to be the type of guy that's going to bow down to you just because you're my boss. So you, you said something. Moral leadership and character. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you mean by that. That you are in the grind as well. That you're in the trenches. Mm. Like the, the guys I respected the most in the Marine Corps where I said, you know what? You know, we're not going to run five miles. I'm running with you. I'm right next to you. That's moral authority to me. Uh, uh, the guys that we had least amount of respect for were guys are flying up in the air telling us what need we do, in the, what we need to do in the ground. Ah, uh, yeah. 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 The, and by the way, the guy up in the air when we were in combat, they were trying to guide us to where we needed to go, but they were the political arm of our combat experience. Right. To make sure everything, the rules of engagement, the, the Geneva Code is followed. Right. To make sure that while we're in combat, that we are following the rules of engagement, that we didn't get America in trouble more than it was. Right. And so I, we never, we never respected those guys because we cared about the guys that were boots on the ground, kicking in doors and, and that, clearing homes. That leader that was jumping out the trench before you was talking about, hey, let's go. Let's go. Got it. Follow me. Got it. You'll see my back more than you see my front. Now, that's a huge leadership lesson. Cause I think, I think a lot of us as leaders, right? We right. do, we do, the ego likes the title. Yep. The, sure. e- the ego likes being the number one guy, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And, and what we forget is that true leadership is in our character. Yeah. Because what, what I realized is that there's four main areas of, of income and work mm-hmm. is number one, the first phase is survivability. Okay. Like I'm doing whatever I need to do just to survive. Mm-hmm. And most people I know will never get out of survivability. And you know what? One of the things I coach, one of the first things we talk about in coaching is the survival mechanism mm. and how it, how it basically will arrest you whenever change is coming. Right. Even good change. Mm. So yeah. most people are afraid of success and they don't even know it. Right. Because their survival mechanism is like, no, you ain't. We know how to navigate lots of bills. We right. know how to navigate just a little bit of money. Yeah. We know how to navigate driving a car that breaks down all the time. <laughs> we, we know, we got that figured out. We know to call mama to get the extra $300. Yep. We know to call the cousin to get, to get, to get us to the car yeah. when it breaks down. We uh-huh. know how to do all that. Yeah. Don't change anything. Who is this guy, Matt, Matt, Matt Zapala talking about? He can help me become a millionaire. Forget him. He's, he's full of it, mm-hmm. right? That's what the survival mechanism will say, right? Yeah. Who is this guy, Linnell Harris, who said he can coach you out of that? That's not possible. Right. Forget him. Right. Leave him alone. Don't go to that summit. Stay exactly where you are. Mm. That's what the survival mechanism That's says. Right. That's right. And survival mechanisms always expecting somebody else to take care of you. In all that dialogue they just said, somebody else is supposed to take care of you. You're a victim. Yeah. Instead of you taking ownership of your current situation. That's why you're stuck in survival mode. Wow. And sadly, if you don't, Remove yourself from survival mode. Guess what you do to your children? You teach them the same thing. Yeah. You pass on a generational curse, man. Wow. Generational poverty. And the way America's going today, you can be in genera- generational abject poverty. Not just poverty, but the worst form yeah. of poverty. Because to me, it's getting I've been broke. We've been broke, right? Yeah, absolutely. I've been broke. But being poor is a condition of the heart. I believe that. Yep. I believe that. Yep. The heart, the mind, and the soul. Yep. I would say that. It's, it's a condition of, yeah. So what's number two? Survivability is number one. And then status is number two. Status. I Tell me the, about that. I got the job. Now I can get the car. Now I can get the apartment. Now I can get the condo. And I can get the house. I got status. Mm-hmm. I'm making more money than my friends, right? Go to the 10-year high school reunion, 20-year high school reunion. I, I, I'm, more, I'm a lot better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. I got status. I got the ring. I got, right? Right. I got, right. I got the watches. Yeah. It looks good on Facebook. So, so, so take that a step deeper. Like what, what, when you say number one is survivability, number two is status. You no, know, why is status number two? Status, this next one, 
uh, we would we would aspire because a lot of us aspire to get the car to get the right zip code to live in to put our kids in the right schools. So that's status, man. I, I'm a lot better than everybody else in my family. Boom, I'm in status now. So step one is I'm just trying to survive, right? right? And then step two is I've improved a little bit. Yeah, and I, and I got some status. Like I'm mm-hmm. trying to get some status, right? Like for me, at one point in my life, it was about getting to the next title, right? Right. Okay, I'm a manager. Yep. And I know that one, the status of director, yeah, and the money, <laughs> the money of director, sure. right, is nice, yeah. So I just, I just want that status, yeah. So that's what you're saying, sure, okay, you know, and, and that's what drove me, and and guess what, that drives us because we're taught that in schools, that's an academic educational, ah, yeah, you know, uh, mindset, ego based too. It's it, it is, man, I'm, right? I'm part of it. I'm status. I'm honor roll. Mm. You know, you know, take me off about honor roll. I never made it. <laughs> <laughs> I never made it to stand. Like here I am continuing to feel inadequate when it came to work. I just wasn't a good student. Right. Right? I was I was decent in, in grade school, middle school, high school. I was just doing it just to play sports. You know what? I'm gonna change that. I'm gonna say you were a phenomenal student. You weren't being taught the proper way. Ah, okay. There you go. And, and here's why, because the fruit that you've created yeah. shows that you're a phenomenal student. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah. I'm I mean I'm just yeah, saying, yeah. right? Uh huh. And I think a lot of our children aren't being taught the right way. Right. Because there's different modalities of learning, right? We all learn differently, but the teachers are teaching the same way. And, and so those of you who are listening, guard your children. Yeah. Guard them. Oh, don't, yeah. don't, don't let those teachers, you know, oh, well, he just doesn't get it. He's a little slow. No, he learns differently. Figure out how your child learns. And think about it. Speaking of schools, the kids are around other kids and mm-hmm. teachers and principals for a majority of the day yep. than they are with you. Yeah. And if you're spending 12 hours a day at your job and commuting, how much time are you really spending with your children having conversations with them? Figuring out how they learn. Yeah. And who they are. Right? Yeah. Exactly. You know, Charlie Munger was one of, one of Warren Buffett's, the richest guy. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, the second, uh, I'm sorry, the third richest guy now. Because mm-hmm. it's now, it's now, uh, Amazon. Right. Right. Yeah, and Jeff now, Bezos, right? Bezos, yeah. Bezos and, and now, uh, Bill Gates. Right. And then Buffett's number three. That's $60 billion. <laughs> right. But his greatest confidant was Charlie Munger. Charlie Munger always had dinner with his kids. And always gave him a mistake at dinner. It wasn't what to do well. Mm-hmm. It's one mistake that somebody did in his business or the business he invested or analyzed that took that business down, that took that leader down. So it's teaching the kids not just the success values, right. but also the values that will cause you to tumble. And Bill Gates, by the way, was very similar, very similar in terms of how he, the time he spent with his children mm-hmm. and making sure, by the way, that they weren't consumed with technology. How yeah, about that? Uh, look at that. <laughs> I mean, this is, and here's the thing, right? They sell these things to us. Yeah. And then what we do instead of spending time with the child is we throw a tablet in front of them. Oh, I'm so tired. Just, yeah. you know, watch that. Yeah. And, and the guy who made the tablet is like, Hey, Hey, Johnny, what, what, how was school today? Yeah. Right? Take that away real quick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and by the way, your hours up yeah. <laughs> on the tablet. Parental controls. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So survivability status. What's number three? Number three is freedom. Freedom. And I experienced a little bit of freedom. <sighs> You're elevating, right? You, yep, you hit yep, a number. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, again, which 90% of people don't hit. Yep. But they can. Yeah. And they start, you know, uh, I'm not worried about sliding his credit card anymore without checking my app to see if I have enough money in my balance. Man, don't that to, feel to slide good? The card. Oh. Uh, or, or, or you're walking by a dealership and say, no, babe, any car. I remember the days where I had to sit in these dealerships waiting room for 30 minutes to see if I can qualify for this. Car because I had a 220 credit. By the court. way, you're sweating too. Yeah. 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 Okay. Man, I hope. Oh, please, Lord. Right, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I got to downgrade my car or increase my payment. Exactly. Right. Uh huh. And so knowing that you have confidence, knowing that I can buy any car in here, either with my credit or just swiping my credit card, that's freedom. Man, I can retire my mom and dad. 
I can take, I, I can send my kid to school. You know, our, our son Jojo, uh, was told by the, his teachers mm-hmm. that he was ADD. Mm-hmm. He's five years old. What, what kid, what five year old kid boy do you know that doesn't have itchy butt? Can I say that on radio? Yeah, you can say, say that. Okay. You can say that. <laughs> what, what yeah. kid at five years old doesn't yeah. have itchy butt? <clears throat> but the teacher said, you might want to consider taking him and getting him on prescription drugs. Oh no. Are you serious? Oh yeah. The teacher? Yeah. The I, teacher? Cause you know why? She says, my kid's got ADD and he's on drugs. What? And we said, great. How's that working out? Exactly. We're like, she's like, well, we're, we still have our tough moments. It's not working out. No, it's not. So we take Jojo to a chiropractic doctor <clears throat> that has an alternative treatment called mm-hmm. brain, brain therapy by teaching him how, how to focus on in this movie and sight and it's like a virtual reality type of thing. $6,500 for a treatment not covered by insurance. You freedom. Know, freedom. You know what Sheena does? You know what mom does? What? Okay, great. Do we have a discount if we pay up front right now? <laughs> exactly. Somebody, her money smart kicked in. If yeah. I pay up front in cash, because cash talks, Boom. do I have a discount if I pay up front right now? Unlike the other parents who's got to finance this, mm-hmm. you know, for six months at a time. And, and that all, let me tell you right now, I have clients that pay up front. You know, six months since, they always get a discount. Of course. Always. Always. Money in my pocket right now, absolutely. Right. I can make that five, six percent up right. in the in the bank. You know, you have the right money, you go to a doctor, you go to a dentist, bets medical and healthcare treatment mm-hmm. if you pay up front, if you pay cash pay. Boom. Because they know they're they don't have to send their staff to chase down the insurance companies to pay the bill. They'll give you a discount and usually sometimes the discount is fifty, sixty percent. But then again, you got to have cash and right. cash flow to to be able to dictate to, freedom. To be, right, to be able to dictate freedom. And by the way, one of the things I've learned from coaching executives is that they have status, but they don't have freedom. Mm. And I was an executive, right? I was executive. I left corporate America in 2015. And let me tell you, 2015, I never felt more in bondage. I was never higher in yep. corporate America. Yep. Never got paid more. I mean, I was getting paid more than I ever got paid. Yep. I had a, the position. I mean, sexy. When I told yeah. people, they like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. oh, I got to pay attention to this guy. Yeah, right. Yeah. So title, status. But I was bound. Mm. I mean, how were you bound? I was bound because one, I had to show up and do work that I wasn't necessarily passionate about. Right. I was bound that way. I was bound because I had to show up to an office every day, regardless of how much work I had to to nine to five, at least just to just to save face. I had to be there and let something happen on the other side of the country that requires my services. Uh, Linnell, are you on a plane tonight? Right. I mean, hey, we don't care about your wife. We don't care if your yeah. son is, you know, sick or anything like that. Like it's the priority is company. Yeah. The priority is the company. You must go. Yeah. Right. Um, I spent I spent 12 years traveling the world. Um, and the cool thing about it is I got to see the world. But the other piece about it is I didn't have a choice. Yeah. And you were alone. And I, yeah, and I was alone. Right. I was by myself. So, yeah. so I see a lot of people traveling. Oh, I can do mm-hmm. this my job. Do this my business. But yeah. who are you taking with you? Yeah. How are you leading? Exactly. Right? You know, our theme this year is the year of distinction, and it's about be one, build one. So you be one. You be free. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, or, or you elevate from survivability. And, and when you say our theme, what do you mean our theme? So like, give us some context. Like, like, like uh, in, our, in our company, you know, when our company, we have yeah, a who's your company? PHP Agency. Okay. Right? And so. And what does PHP do? PHP Agency is an insurance firm that does retirement services and life insurance. Okay. And so what we do is insurance, but who we are is a leadership development company. Okay. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Right? Why is that important? It's important because it's not about the what. It's about, it's about the why mm. and the who. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, you know, as much as the insurance industry and the common 
agent today, the average agent in the industry today is a 60-year-old Caucasian male. True. I've been doing this now for 19 years. Mm -hmm. I've always been the youngest. I've always been the minority. I've always been the guy. I remember speaking at a conference one time. I was invited to speak at this financial conference because mm -hmm. I was kicking everybody's tail by, by the time I was 30 years old. Okay. I made my first million before I was 30 years old. And I remember being asked to speak. I was the number one guy producing out of 25,000 agents. No college degree, no college background, no financial background. At this point, no mentor. I just kind of figured it out on my own. Okay. No YouTube, right? Just figuring right. stuff on my own. I was asked to speak. I go, I go backstage. Which means you're a phenomenal student, by the way. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> Books. Right. right. And I was, remember, I was, I was, I was going to get mic'd up. And, mm -hmm. the, and the, and the stage manager said, Matt Sapal is next. Matt Sapal is next. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I, you know, I'm Filipino, right? But Matt Sapal doesn't sound Filipino. It sounds more Italian. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah. Doesn't sound very ethnic. So she looks straight at me. We're looking for Matt Sapala. Do you work for him? <laughs> Man. No, I'm him. She goes, Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. That's happened to me a lot. Right, because <laughs> they're expecting when well, they see a name, they're expecting to see somebody else. Well, they see they see the name, they see the title, yeah, right, and they're like, "Can't be you," mm. based on stereotypes, mm. right? Can't be you, yeah, yeah. Where's your boss? Yeah, yeah. You work for him, don't you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually do. I do, I do, and he's very unreasonable, <laughs> right. un, 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 unreasonable man, right. unreasonable boss. By the way, Linnell Harris, right, <laughs> right. Exactly, right? that yeah. guy, yeah, you know, so. I've always been that guy. And so now PHP agency, we're disrupting the insurance industry. How can I quantify that? How can I say that? Well, number one, Oscar De La Hoya, mm -hmm. Golden Boy, is an investor in my company. Okay. He gave us $10 million to expand and grow our company. Why? 2009, we started with 60 guys in the middle of a recession. 2009. 2009. October, I mean, that's 2009. when, I mean, that's, yeah, that's like, I mean. Recession. Yeah. In the midst of it. Everybody was in a hole. Everybody was down. Yeah. But guess who else started? What other business started? Uber. Mm. Airbnb, mm -hmm. now PHP agency. Wow. We started in 2009. Wow. Right? And so we we now have 5,500 agents across the country, and we're dominating also in Puerto Rico. The only country and the only state we're not, we're not in is Montana. They require us to have somebody there full-time to be licensed there, but we can't find anybody to relocate to Montana, help the six people out there. What? <laughs> you can't Mar find? We can't find Marlboro people. Hey, because here's the thing. The six people there, they, I mean, they're going to write some big policies. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> They own Montana. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's what PHP agency does. And, you know, insurance is a commodity. Uh-huh. But it, how do we, like, for example, Amazon, they sell commodities. Yeah. But they're, they're recreating the user experience. Mm. They, they disrupted Walmart. They disrupted Sears. We're disrupting our industry. So real quick, because somebody out there is thinking, eh, we, we're talking about life insurance now, for real. Like, yeah. you know, so why, why is this important in terms of work and money? Like, how does, how does, you know, the work that you do yep. in terms of writing policies for individuals, how does that translate to working money for someone in the middle class who wants to be wealthy, who yep. wants to gain some wealth or even create some generational wealth? You nailed it on the head. One word, legacy. Mm. Uh, Jay Z on his album 444 Legacy Legacy Matter of fact yeah. Dad yep. He opens up the song yep. Dad What's a will Uh huh He sure does He sure does He drops it And I believe One of the reasons He did that Is because He's trying to get Individuals In the African American Community That listen to him To be asked The same question Bingo And think about that This is uh -huh. grown man yep. Jay Z yep. Not you know yeah. I'm a hustle baby No This is Dad What's a will? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Same guy. But mm -hmm. now his maturity said, okay, now I need to get my finances in order. Exactly. Because I did hustle to get this. Right. So I don't want to. I want to sustain it. Exactly. And I want to make sure my, my children inherit it. Right. 
And by the way, we, we have another thing in our office about the successful Hollywood types that screwed up their finances when they transferred for the next generation. Mm. Michael Jackson, Prince, they screwed up their finances. Why? Because they didn't have the end of the conversation road of, okay, how do I transfer this to the people I love and care about without Uncle Sam getting in the middle? And and dictating what they wanted from the grave, right? Mm, like Muhammad right. Ali did. Yeah, right. Muhammad Ali's like, all this stuff, this is how it's going to go. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right? Yeah. So it wasn't a lot of mess there. Right. Very clean. Because his health circumstance mm-hmm. forced him to see. Forced him to see what that, most people don't see. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So he, for a period of time there with his Parkinson's, he's like, you know what? Damn, the, the finality of life, I'm dealing with it now yeah. for for, yeah. for decades. Before he actually, so he, he was able to wrap he was it, able to, it up. And so what can we learn from that? I mean, so, I, I mean, think about that, right? So he had Parkinson's disease. He knew, he knew yep. his time was short. Yeah. But one thing that's guaranteed for all of us right now in this studio <laughs> and all y'all listening <laughs> is that we gonna die. Mm. We are going to die. Yeah. Then what? Right. Then what about your loved ones? Right. Right. The thing that breaks my heart. Um, death and taxes, two certain things, right? Death and taxes. But death when people don't have anything to give. Two very prominent people I know passed away recently. I mean, and, and when I say prominent in terms of impact. Yeah. And they didn't have adequate life insurance, yeah. bro. It's like who you were when you were living to me was big. Yep. I mean, huge, huge impact yep. in terms of what you were delivering. And then you die and I lose respect for you. You go, you go out like that. Because I realized that you didn't plan adequately for your family. Mm-hmm. You didn't protect your legacy, yeah. all that work, all yep. the things that you created and you checked out like that. Yep. And, and people are passing around a hat to collect money to bury you. Go fund me. Go fund me. I was about to freaking go fund me. I can go, go off on fund me. Go fund me is not supposed to be insurance. No. You know, go fund me is not supposed to be insurance. Go fund me is supposed to be a company that raises money for your book. For your idea, for your new company, it wasn't supposed to be for your healthcare emergency. Or for your field trip, your, 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 right? No, it's not supposed to be for that. And yeah. on top of that, GoFundMe takes fifteen percent of what you collect as their fee, not you know, not including the credit card charges that Visa, Mastercard impose when you pay for ten bucks and fifteen bucks, whatever you contribute to GoFundMe. But GoFundMe is not supposed to be life insurance. GoFundMe is reactive mm-hmm. to the situation. But if you want to be successful in life, you want to go from survivability to status to freedom. I will talk about the fourth phase later. You've got to be proactive. You what got is to, you what, what is the fourth phase? Fourth phase is free, is, is purpose. Per, uh, you're doing what you're doing right now because you're purposed. You're doing what you're not because you're legacy minded. You're doing what you're doing right now because you realize that a lot of people don't have the same situation you do, and you want to pull them up to the next level. It's people helping people. It's you pulling people. You know, people don't look for a hand out. People look for a hand up. Absolutely. And that's what being in purposed category means to me. So we're going to talk about purpose because to me, purpose and money go together. And you know, I love purpose, man. Purpose is people. Everybody who's listening knows when he said purpose, they were like, Oh, Lord, here we go. That's about to get. Yeah. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Sur- survivability, right? Is where some people are in terms of they're just trying to survive. That's what yeah. working money is all about. Mm-hmm. Then for others is status. Like, how can I make it to the next level? Yeah. Right. But they're not free. So the next level is freedom. You and I have freedom. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Exactly. And part of the reason I believe we have freedom is because we know our purpose. Yeah, so now all the work we're doing is purpose based. Yeah. You, you know what as an entrepreneur gives me comfort? What's that? My purpose. Bam. I know that God put me on this planet to do the work I'm doing. Well, what's the saying? Uh, two, two biggest days of your life, the day you're born. And then the, and the second one is the reason why you were born. When you realize why you were born. <laughs> 
There it is. And so when you have exactly. that, that's what gave me the courage to walk out of corporate America, leave the status. Because yeah. let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. When you say I'm vice president, this, that, and that, and officer of that, people are like, ah. When you say, hey, what do you do? Well, I'm an entrepreneur and a life coach. They're like, oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's, it's kind of like on Facebook. People say, I got a job. And everybody's like, oh, God bless you. Awesome. God yeah, is good. Exactly. And then you say, I started a business. Crickets. Nothing. Nothing. they like, it's almost like funeral music, like a violin. <laughs> oh, <hell>. Yeah. <laughs> and what they don't know is that you just took a step towards freedom. Man. I mean, there should be church bells going off, man. You know, you know what, I, the way I process that is you're reminding people in your network, your friends and family, coworkers. That they're in bondage. And you're reminding them that they are. Yep, you are. And the fact that you, you broke those chains and you're moving on and up is like, man, you know, I want him, I was more comfortable with him back here. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of speaking of bondage. It's kind of like everybody going to church this morning, right? So, well, most people, <laughs> but when the, the Hebrews were leaving Egypt mm-hmm. and Moses leading them across the Red Sea and they were like, you know what? Let's just go back to Egypt. This is too hard. I'd rather be in bondage. I'd rather just have a job where I know I'm going to get a check and yep. I know what the check is going to be. And somebody's going to feed me yep. little as, as crappy yep. as it is. Same thing. Same thing. And we scoff at that story, right? Oh my God, they wanted to go back. Yeah. The Hebrews wanted to go back. <laughs> to oh, that's horrible. To, to build a, build a pyramid or be in a pyramid. Right. <laughs> that's, it, yeah. That's horrible. And a lot of us find ourselves in the same place. Yeah. Yeah. Find ourselves in the look, same place when it comes to work and look, money. Look at that mirror. You know what I love about mirrors? What's that? They don't lie. Mm, that's true. <laughs> mirrors tell you the <laughs> truth, man. Exactly what it is. All right, everybody. So we've been, you've been listening to Linnell Harris on Inspirational Perspective. My guest in the studio, Matt Zapala, also have two people on his team. We're going to hear a little bit from them, Brandon and Rosie. You know, it's nothing like hearing from a leader's followers. (laughs) (laughs) So what what do they have to say about about Matt Zapala and why they follow this guy? I mean, why are they a part of his team? We're going to hear about a little bit about that. And also, Matt Zapala, as I said before, is one of the speakers at the Murder Mediocrity Summit coming up on March 31st, 2018. Hey, one of the things Matt shared is that it's important to have mentors and leaders that you can follow, right? And the Murder Mediocrity Summit is all about creating an experience that gives you the ability to say, that's who I want to be like. That's who I want to follow, right? And the cool thing about 21st century is, you can follow people and they don't even know, right? I'm serious. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and learn from them. They like, don't even you know. Some about virtual mentorship. Yeah, virtual mentorship. You got it. Yeah, you absolutely. Need, you don't need a VCR anymore. You don't need none of that. <laughs> all you need is Instagram and Facebook and, 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 and LinkedIn, etc. YouTube, yeah. and, and you're all good. So, when we come back, we're going to be talking about money. If you enjoyed the first hour, <laughs> well, you know, I always enjoy talking about money. Yes. So you definitely going to enjoy the second hour. You've been listening to Inspirational Perspective with Linnell Harris. Thank you guys so much for joining. 1690 AM, don't go away. When we come back, money, money, money. All 
we're back. You're listening to Inspirational Perspective. I'm your host, Linnell Harris, your own life coach, right here on WVON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. Well, we've already had a great hour during the 7 AM hour talking about work, a little bit about money, but mostly work. I got Matt Zapala in the studio with me. Uh, Matt is the money smart guy. If you go to at money smart guy on almost any of your yeah, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook. Yeah. Everywhere. Okay. Website. Yeah. And how can some, how can they find you outside of that? How, how can they find me uh, outside of the social media? Yeah. Yeah. My website is moneysmartguy.com. Okay. And our office is in Oak Brook. Not that I grew up in Oak Brook, but our office is in Oak Brook and uh, I run a company called PHP agency and uh, we have a uh, 52, uh, uh, we have 52, uh, excuse me, 52 offices across the country. And we happen to run the number one office of PHP agency all across the country in Oak Brook, right here, suburb of Chicago. So the number one office in the country for PHP agency is your office. That's my office, yeah. And you lead that office. I lead that office, and we got a lot of great partners over there, too, as well. So I can't take all the credit. Got it. Got it. See, that's what leaders do right there, (laughs) right there. Yeah. You don't take all the credit. You say, hey, I wouldn't be there without my team. Of course not. I wouldn't be there without my team. You know, so that's that's a great place for us to talk to, you know, the two of the individuals on his team. So I have Brandon, right? Yep. Brandon and Rosie. Yes, sir. So, you know, tell me a little bit about why you chose to work with Matt and why you chose this particular industry. So actually, I come from the sound engineering background. Okay. Right. So music. So the first time being in a studio for a while. But uh, honestly, as a millennial, the reason one of the reasons why. Uh, it hit home with me to work with Matt was, I remember I was 20 years old talking to this guy. He taught me one thing I didn't know when I was, you know, young, mm-hmm. which is a word I've never heard of, which is entrepreneurship. Okay. Right. So going through, going through high school and say, go to college. Mm-hmm. Right. And I remember, you know, I was a typical teenager, you know, went to Romeoville high school. Okay. And then lived on the West side of Chicago with my mom. And, uh, with Matt, it was just, you know, I seen something that I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I always dreamed of it, but college wasn't a thing for me. Dropped out of college, went down to Florida, came back up here, didn't have anything to do. Met Matt, taught me about entrepreneurship, and I seen a lot of my friends working corporate jobs, which is something I never wanted. Got uh, it. Now, just to put it in perspective, here we are in the studio talking with two guys, surrounding myself with two guys that are talking about a million dollars isn't a lot of money. <laughs> you know, my, my, my mom, she's never made more than $30,000 in her entire life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've seen her go through a lot of financial struggles. And now, you know, as a, as a millennial mm-hmm. at 25 years old, I'm sitting in a studio talking about how a million dollars isn't a lot of money. But growing up, you know, where I come from, That's a, a million bucks yeah, sounds a like a lot yeah. of money. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as, as millennials, another thing is, is mentorship. Mm. Right. So I've seen someone that's obviously been where is where I want to be mm-hmm. and has gone through obviously what I'm going to about to experience. So I just tied myself to Matt and wanted to just okay. simply learn from him. So how easy is it, Brandon and Rosie? I want to hear from you, too. But how easy is it to follow Matt? Because often leaders like Matt, I know myself, I'm not the easiest. I mean, I'm respectful. <laughs> right. But I'm a challenge you. Yeah. Does he challenge you? Absolutely. Yeah. You ever been mad at him? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and you still hang out with the guy. All the time. Why? 
one thing so the perspective of like a millionaire mm-hmm. right is like man that's, it must be hard to get around him one one reason why you know i always stuck around matt it's easy to be around him if you're willing to do it mm. you know he's always willing to teach you as long as you're you're willing to put in the work as long as you're willing to show up right right he told me yesterday hey i've been shooting video with him he told me hey show up six o'clock at my house so i knew i had to wake up at five o'clock and right. i was there at six o'clock so he come down here all right and right. it's not always easy is it no it's not yeah but worth it in the long run, because I'm sure you're learning some things that have changed your mentality. Absolutely. What's the, the, the number one thing you've learned from that so far? Like if you had to, I'm, I'm going to leave you and go to Rosie real quick. Yep. But when I come back, I want to hear that. The Absolutely. number one thing that you've learned from Matt. But Rosie, how are you? I am great. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. So, you know, this Matt's a poly guy. I mean, well, you know, why, why are you hanging out with Matt? See, um, I think Matt touched bases on this earlier. Um, one of the things I really appreciate about him is he's willing to grind and hustle, like go out and be in the trenches with you, mm. you know, and a lot of leaders just take the leadership position and they just want you to follow them, but they're not willing to put it, to go out in the trenches with you, you know? And so Matt, Matt's such a humble guy mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter. I think it's going to get to the point where it doesn't matter how much money he makes. He's still going to be there for you. Uh, but one of the things like I also respect is like when he asked me one time, I think I was asking for advice and he's like, Rosie, do you see me as your mentor? You know, because just because he has a, the leadership position or the leadership title doesn't mean that, you know, everyone's going to follow him. So he's like, do you see me as your mentor? Do you do you see me as your leader? I'm like, yeah, I do. He said, like, well, let me tell you what you need to do. Right. So he's uh, not just going to tell you what you need to do because right. a lot of people are not just going to listen and go and follow him. Right. Right. But if you want me to tell you, I'm going to tell you. Exactly. And then you got to do it. Right. So he enrolled you yes. in following. Yeah. Like, hey, if you see me this way, then, you know, you got to do what I say. Right. Got it. Got it. And, man, you know, I find it as a leader. Brandon, I'm coming over there, man. I hope you got it for me. Yes, sir. Um, I find as a leader that all too often. You know, people want to achieve your level of success, right? Like, I, I get people who call me and say, you know, Linnell, tell me the top three things that made you successful. And when I tell them, they like, oh, you know. It uh, sounds like work. Yeah, it sounds like work. Well, that, you know, that, that don't sound sexy. Right. Right? Yeah. And so as a leader, how do you how do you handle that, you know, in terms of have you ever fired somebody from like, hey, man, you know, what? It's, it's time for you to roll. You ain't ready. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they've been witness to that. Been. Okay. So, yeah, they've been witness to that because I refuse, I refuse mediocrity. I refuse somebody to say, you know, in much as they're capable, we got a young lady, Sarah Gaver, in her Jacksonville office. Mm-hmm. She's literally in, in a, in a wheelchair. Okay. And she controls it. She can't even high five you. As much as we're high fiving out, she can't right. high five. But you know what? She's outperforming a lot of people in, in, in the company. Mentally tough. Mentally tough. Mentally and, tough. And when we recognize people in our conventions, you know, for example, in August when we have Kevin Hart come out to a convention, mm-hmm. we're going to recognize people on stage in front of Kevin Hart, in front of Oscar De La Hoya. She can't get to the stage because she's in a wheelchair. So we're looking at making some modifications, ramp up. So she can get up there. So she can get up there because she deserves it. Cause, and because you know she's going to be on stage. I know she's going to be on stage. I already know it. Yeah. Love it. She's a TED Talk speaker and all that stuff. So, you know, it, it starts right here, you know. What, what, you know, what, what are most people's excuses when we have sound mind, sound body, what you talked about earlier, self-talk. Mm-hmm. Self-talk. 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 Yep. Yep. Can't, are you telling yourself you can't do it? Yeah. Because whatever you say, Henry Ford said it best. You know, if you believe you can't, uh, <laughs> you can't. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Brandon, number one lesson you learned from Matt Zappala. Coming over there next, Rosie. Number one lesson. What's, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned from Matt Zappala? To murder mediocrity. 
I, I, man, <laughs> I, I think he's buttering me up. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. I mean, just being around this guy again, from where mm-hmm. I come from, mediocrity is you, you don't even think about it. It's natural, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You just you hang out with friends and their parents make the same amount of money as your parents or a little bit less or a little bit more. But, you know, it's not uh, it's not at the level that 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 a lot, you know, people like Matt are at. It's what happens is mediocrity becomes normal. Absolutely. And by the way, mediocre is just basically average. Yeah. You know, mediocre coffee right here. I'm not, I'm not going to say where I got it from, but you know, mediocre coffee right now. I mean, I'm drinking it. It's all right, but is it going to make me go back? Exactly. Right. So, and who, who wants to be that in terms of their performance and how, what people think about them and how you show up? Craziest thing I've always thought about. I played baseball for 15 years Mm -hmm. and, uh, people will stay average. But their mind is always telling them that they want to be great. Yeah. But they don't want to put in the work for it. Exactly. That's the mental conflict that I think a lot of people are in. They tell themselves it's okay to be average, but their mind is always thinking something greater. Right. So one part of the brain is like, dream big, you can do this. And the other part of the brain is like, yeah, but this is I. We're cool right here. Yep. Jim Collins wrote the book, Good to Great. Right. And why it's so hard to go from good to great and how, how good is the enemy of great. You got it. You, you got to get sick of your good in order to really take it to the next level and be great. We're going to be talking about that at the summit as well. Man, I, I hope you listening. You, 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 you talk, you're going to be there. This is going to be a good time, you know, from nine o'clock to six o'clock on Saturday, March 31st, 2018. This is the kind of conversation we're going to be having. And by the way, it's not just a conversation, but it will be an experience. Rosie. What's the number one thing you learned from this guy over here? I learned um, the pursuit of happiness, you know, and, and like to me, that means that, you know, I seen Matt go through from having nothing pretty much mm-hmm. to building something phenomenal. But you have to go through the struggles, you know, and, and to see someone go through something like that, it lets me know that I have to go through all of those you know, objections and struggles in life and sacrifice a lot of things in order for success feel, to feel much sweeter. Yeah. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So yeah, the pursuit of happiness. Excellent. All right. So Matt. Yep. And I love this, by the way, a man who is not afraid because here's what happened, right? I'm like, hey, on a break, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to ask, you know, your folks a little bit about you. He just chuckled. <laughs> hey, let me tell you, some people, some people, would really? look like death. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, they're not here to talk. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. Don't do that. Right. But you know, you just chuckle. Okay. Yeah. yeah you know, make it happen. Um, I love that. That tells me a lot about who you are as a leader. Let's talk about money, man. Ka-ching. So first and foremost, we know that you didn't grow up with a silver spoon in your mouth. Right. All right. And, uh, you filed bankruptcy before. Yeah. 1996 Orange County. When I was in Marine Corps, I was, uh, my sixth year in the Marine Corps. Fifth year in the Marine Corps. Yeah. So you you know what rock bottom feels like. I know like. what rock bottom is. And I only found it for uh, like $20,000 of total cash. Okay. Yeah, so $20,000 of credit cards I filed bankruptcy for. Wow. Oh, oh and a $1,200 Kirby vacuum that I bought for my cousin because I felt sorry for him. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, and those were kind of money decisions you were making back then. Poor. Yeah. Poor. You know, for example, I came back from a deployment. It was mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. And I said, hey, Marines, we're going to help. We want to help any Marines that don't have any turkey for their family. Mm-hmm. And so I raised my hand. I said, I, I love turkey, you know, whatever. I need some financial assistance, you know. So right. my, my first sergeant comes to my house in base housing mm-hmm. 
and delivers a box full of turkey, uh, yams and sweet potato, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And he goes, come, come here real quick. Come here. I'm like, well, what's going on? First, I, what did, what did I do? Come up to your driveway. So I go to my driveway because we just came back from the deployment. And what did I right. buy? I bought a brand new car. Uh, and he goes, you're telling me uh, you're wow. having financial problems and you got a brand new car sitting in your driveway? Wow. I'm like, yeah, why? Don't all Marines buy brand new cars when they come back from deployment? Yeah, but they don't ask for financial assistance if they did. Mm. Get your mind right. Get your money right. Get your mind right. Right. That's what he said. First Sergeant Johnson. So l- let me tell you something. Because yesterday, my wife and I, we were in the kitchen. And uh actually, I think I was talking to my mom, too. So it was like, you know, I'm talking to my mom, but, you know, you know those things turn into three-way conversations real quick. <laughs> but uh I was just saying that the two main reasons I believe people get into financial trouble, houses and cars. Mm. Yeah. Living yeah. in a house that's too big for yeah. their financial well-being yeah. Yeah. and driving a car yeah. that they cannot afford. Yeah. That really should be maybe a decade from now. They're trying to live, yeah. you know, the life they could live a decade from now if they just live the life they're supposed to live right now. Bam. And it's tough because especially, I think more so cars, especially when you're younger. Yeah. A yeah. Guy, oh, a guy, yeah. 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 I remember, yeah. I remember buying a car and putting $5,000 of stereo equipment in it. And then a couple years later, I yanked it all out. I could barely sell for 500 bucks. Exactly. Because the technology changed. Yep. Or, or putting wheels that's worth 5000 Oh, rims. Yeah, rims. I mean, stupid stuff that we did. Yep. And I did that for years. Mm-hmm. So before I'm the money smart guy, I was the money dumb guy. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel and, you. And sadly, when it comes to financial mm-hmm. literacy, which is not taught in our schools. Not I at mean, all. academic education is taught in our schools. Yep. You know, my, my twins taught me yesterday. They're, they're 16 years old in high school. Says, Poppy, why do we got to learn about chemistry? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to – the only thing I need to know when I grow older is H2O and O2. Right. Why do I got to learn about chemistry? Because it's not a class that I'm going to really use in my real life because that's not what I want to be. I don't want to be a scientist. Right. So you're right. So why is our kids having to go through, take classes that they're really not going to use? Like how does the War of 1812 serve us in the 21st century? But learning how to manage your finances, learning how to negotiate with your landlord, mm-hmm. car, those type of things. Why do we learn from our bad experiences with money and not any of our good? You know why? Because financial education not academic education, financial education is not taught in the school system. And what happens is you have generational, generational unaware children right. with generational unaware parents. Yep. And they say, you know, the, it's the blind leading the blind. And because I saw my parents do it, I'm, I will do it the same. As a matter of fact, in the Atlantic, there was an article about African-American wealth mm. and how what's happening yeah. is the parents have hit a certain level, like Higher than what's up, you know, higher than any African American yep. in the past, you know, three, four hundred years in America. Uh-huh. And then the children come along and basically just it falls apart. Yeah. It all falls apart. Shirt sleeves, shirt sleeves in three generations. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So one generation busts their tail to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And two, three generations later, it's all gone. Part of and the reason for that, I believe, is like you said, lack of financial competence yeah. and education. Yep. So why do you think, I want your personal opinion, why do you think that a person can go to school for 16 years, mm-hmm. right? And then, then by the way, in some cases, add another two to four, right, to get, you know, to get something in front of their name and still not know how to use money or the science of money. Why do you, how, how is that possible? You know, I, I you know, if there's, there's a conspiracy theory behind it that uh, the government and its banks want to keep us stupid because the people are uneducated about money which is 90% of America, mm-hmm. are the ones paying the most amount of taxes and interest on their on their money. And financially, we're shackled down. We're financially in bondage. 
And that's where the banks like us. Yep. Because, well, then we have our money in the bank. Yeah. And the interesting thing about the bank, the bank's never going to loan you money when you need it. Yeah. The bank's going to give you money when you don't need it. Exactly. But when are we in a position? I want a car. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, here you go. Whenever we're in a position where we don't need money. Yeah. See, that's that's the rub. Yep. And so when I started driving, uh, by the way, our office is in Oldbrook. I never grew up in Oldbrook. Mm-hmm. I took the bus through Oldbrook as a kid. Okay. Going from Cicero to the good malls. Mm-hmm. You know, going and hanging out at the malls as a kid. Right. And I took the 302, 322 bus to get to the good malls. Always going by Oldbrook. I'm like, what the heck are these people doing? Yeah. Big homes, big, you know. Nice cars. Car, I mean, yeah. gates to their home look, look like a business. Right. But that's somebody's house. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask them, what do they do? Well, number one, I found out the majority of them were in finance. Mm. Right? Number so, two, so they understand number money. Two, and number two, generationally speaking, somebody knew about finance and handed down old money. Mm-hmm. So I want to be tomorrow's old money. Right. I'm not old money yet, but right. I want to be tomorrow's old money to hand my kids something. And, and, and an exercise here too is, is we don't appreciate and value what we get for free. We only value and appreciate what we work for. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a quick example. My daughters, you know, they, they wanted cell phones. Samsung, you know, two, three. Always broken. Because I always got them the cheap phones, for, you know, for Christmas. Right, right, right. Broken phones. Christmas gift. You think you're a good parent? Give them a phone. Next thing you know, a week later, it cracks screen. Right. And you're like, what, am I going to fix this every week? Right. Now they got a job working at Mickey D's. Mm-hmm. They can work for their dad. No, no, no. You're going to work for Mickey D's. You're going to, you're going to learn how to appreciate what your daddy's doing. Right. So work for Mickey D's on holidays, like mm-hmm. your dad does. And now they have new phones. And they, they don't crack them either. Do my they? God, I said, babe, those phones look beautiful. <laughs> you have a protector on it. Because they had to buy it. Screen protector on it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because well, you know why? Because they value for it because they're paying for it. They're paying for it. And even though we're talking making a million dollars, I can literally pay for a kid's college education today. But you know what I won't do when they graduate high school? Let's pay for the college. Make them work for it. I'm make them work for it. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're going to value that education. A lot of gems Matt just dropped there. So, Matt, what are some of the, I mean, we talked about some of the, the money mistakes that people yeah. make, you know, so living in a home that you, you can't afford or, or by the way, maxes out, you know, your financial capabilities. So now you're stressed and now you're, you know, you stay in bondage, mm-hmm. right? It's, but let me tell you, if I had bought a home, that I could afford, yep. based on you know, the general concept. Sure, I wouldn't have been able to leave corporate America. No way, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, because it would have been a, a large mortgage, and my level of stress and anxiety to walk away from something that felt secure, right? You know, quote unquote, felt secure, because yep. we also know that it's not necessarily secure. It would have been very difficult for me to do. Yep, yep. But often, many people make those mistakes. What are some of the other Big mistakes that the average person will make when it comes to money. So the first one I would address before it comes to any fiscal mm-hmm. guidance is number one is mental guidance. Mm. You, you got to feel like you deserve it. Ah, yes. You got to feel like you deserve to get yes. out of the hood. You got to deserve like you got to you deserve not to be broken, having a four forty credit score, right. and not be living a paycheck. Right. You got to right. feel like you deserve it, and you you have a tenacious desire to get anything that comes your way to get you out of that rut. Because I said before, we've been broke before, but mm-hmm. being poor is settling for it, and being poor is a condition of the heart. So number one, you got the mentally, you got to feel like you deserve it. Number two, you got to find ways to create a side hustle. So if you got a job right now, you always got to have a plan B. I'll give you an example: uh, Jane Bree Cruz. We're mentoring them right now in business. Her job, she's so frustrated with her job, she's got five responsibilities, but not a pay raise for all four of them. Mm. Same salary as she had. 
And so she worked on Plan B. We're mentoring in business. She got insurance license. She's seeing clients. She's fi- finding uh, uh, success in it. Yeah, they both make a six-figure income, but yet they still feel broke. Right. right. Kids, you know, uh, uh, lots of things, expenses. By the way, more pay- pe- more people li- making a hundred grand a year are feeling like they're living paycheck oh. to paycheck. Oh, well, right. Uh, when it, so, well, when I first crossed six figures, yeah. When I first crossed six figures. I wasn't making the best money choices, and I was trying to figure out why do am I still stressing about like money? <laughs> like I got, I'm, I'm making six figures a year. Why am I thinking about my money like this, right? Yeah. And that, that's when I started making some significant changes. Like this is not okay. Yeah. So what you're saying is dead on. I, I want to address something you said about deserving money. Yep. And those of you who are listening, hear me. You deserve money. You deserve money. If you cannot be with that statement, you will never have it. That's right. It will elude you. That's the first piece is the mental toughness to actually change your relationship to money mentally. I deserve money. I deserve right. financial freedom. But then I'm going to take it one step further. True. I am financially free. Yeah. <laughs> right. I do have money. And I will tell you to be specific about the amount of money that you have. I, I made my first million after an investment in me mm-hmm. for less than 500 bucks. How about that? Right. So you don't need, so the whole saying you need mm-hmm. money, make money. Right. Not my, not my situation. Right. I found, I found an industry that was very wealthy, which is the insurance industry. Mm-hmm. I found a platform that allowed me a system and a culture to be successful without a college degree mm-hmm. or a financial business background. And my, I made my first million. And so then what did you have to invest? I mean, so you spent yeah. five, but you had to invest something. I mean, so you invested $500. Time. Time. Yeah. That's what I invested. And either we got time to burn or we got money to burn. We don't, we very rarely, people listening to the show have both. Yep. So I had time to burn. And my time was the, the, um, unnecessary sleep I was having. Listen, if you sleep in, if you, I, I found for me personally, I found if, if maybe it's coming from the military, I found that if you got five or six hours of sleep a day, we're good. Mm-hmm. I mean, though, everybody, you need eight, nine, ten, nine. listen, you're sleeping your dreams away, man. I dream with my my eyes wide open. I like that. You sound like Drake. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yep. in, in terms of deserving money. Yeah. Right. But life doesn't give you what you deserve. Mm-hmm. Life will only give you what you're willing to fight for. That's true. You fighting for your family. You fighting for your legacy. You find people people love and care about. You fighting for the fact that your kids ask you something. You don't have to say we can't afford it because you know what language that is. It's called broken knees. Yep. It's not Japanese. It's broken knees. Broken knees. And you're you're teaching kids. Oh, I can't afford. I can't even ask my mom for anything. And, and you're teaching them a mentality as a result of that. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. So you deserve money. You said side hustle. Yeah. Create side. You got to have a plan B because Jay and Bree, what happened? They started making six grand, eight grand a month part-time. Mm-hmm. They started making more money part-time entrepreneurs than they worked a full-time job. And she was, I'm ready to write my resignation letter. I'm ready to go. Yep. Right. And next thing you know, the job beat her to the punch. They had to let her go before she was even, I don't know if she would have tipped off to it. Right. But they let her go. Mm-hmm. Before but she, she was ready. But she was ready. She was ready. And she didn't, she wasn't freaking out. You know what most people do when they get laid off? Oh my God. Same thing. My, my business partner, Rudy Ortiz and Rosie, mm-hmm. he's worked for the state of Illinois in a Thompson building. And he had a side hustle, making more money part time than it was full time. Job lets him go. He's high fiving everybody in the conference room. Like, like you're the happiest person I've ever laid off. You know why? Because I took control of my finances. You don't control me. Mm-hmm. You lay me off doesn't control my finances. Let me, let me tell you the beauty of this. So I talked about in the last hour how I was in corporate America that last year. I felt like I was in bondage. The cool thing that I didn't share 
was my side hustle coaching, yeah. right? Okay. Transforming lives was making money that could sustain me. Yeah. So one of the things that I was able to do was I was able to step forward in boldness in my workplace as the one of the only, well, the only black male executive, right? Wow. Um, I could say things that sometimes I know my CEO be like, how you getting away with that? Like, yeah, you know, you who do you think you're talking to? <laughs> right. But I could talk to you like that because while I might have to be here because the commitment is to show up, I don't have to be here because I do have something else I could be doing that will sustain. And how me much and my more family. valuable were, was your counsel to your CEO in the process? Well, I, I don't know that he really listen to me. Yeah, you're right. We're not, we're <laughs> right. Not, right. if you listen to right. it or not. Right. But I was able to be me yeah. and show up as a powerful leader yeah. and, and stay in personal integrity with myself. Right. So you're financed your integrity. Exactly. Exactly. So, and, and this is the thing. If you don't have yeah. a side hustle, then you are preparing to fail. And not side hustles. Yeah. Side, side hustle. hustle. Side hustle. So so, many, so many people me, I got so many irons in the fire. Yeah, but how many of those irons? Uh -huh. Are actually bringing you money. I got right. I, multiple streams of it, multiple streams of income. They're trickling. Mm -hmm. You want one Mississippi River bringing you right money, right? So focusing on that because so many people are confused today. Do I do real estate? Do I do Bitcoin? Do I do you know T-shirts? Like find one, find one, and a master. I'm with it, you on that. Master it for I'm with you on for that. five to ten years. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Because because what happens is we get distracted. Yeah. And it's, it's case in point. I have, a, I have a client right now who created something powerful in 2017. And she's headed down that road and then another investment opportunity came. And I'm uh, like, I'm like, yo, that's resistance. That, that's just testing your resolve yeah. to say whether or not you really want to do this. That's right. So what, what are you going to do? Yeah. What, what are you going to do? And she, she chose to stay on her path and what she chose blew up. Now she's like, Oh, I'm so happy. But so many people take the, the take the detour yeah. and then the focus Distracted is by there. the next shiny object. Yeah, absolutely. And there's always going to be shiny objects. There's much, as much as there's power in yes, there's mm -hmm. much more freedom in the word no. So how does one create financial security? I mean, we've been talking about this. I know you, you get, you're going to share, you know, in terms of the pillar of working money, your story yeah. and a lot of this. At the summit, yeah. by the way, the summit, the Murder Mediocrity Come Summit on. is March 31st, 2018. If you're looking to buy tickets, you can go to MurderMediocrity.com right now. They're 30% off, folks. Yes. You know, don't, hey, by the way, if you notice, the price keeps going up, <laughs> <laughs> right? Especially as I announce, you know, who the, you know, who's going to be there. So health and well-being, Dr. Camila Stevenson will be there covering that subject. I'm super excited to have her. She's going to be on the show. Awesome. Then you heard Love McPherson last week, Relationships in Love. Let me tell you something. One of the things that ruins money is relationship, man. Of course. There ain't no romance without no finance. Man, <laughs> let me tell you, right? Because and here's the thing. My, my wife and I, we've been married going on three years in June, okay? And as newlyweds, you, you have the beauty of being a newlywed, but then also the complication of learning new things about each other. Yeah. If money was one of the things mm. that we had to figure mm. out, and we have to have money yeah. conversations, but it's not a money conversation from lack yeah. Or from like, how are we gonna pay this? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's just like, uh, what happened to that over there? You know, well, we gotta talk about that. You know, so it's things like that, right? Not from a place of lack. I couldn't imagine having a, a, a successful and, marriage, a, a yeah. marriage that has intimacy and romance if we were broke. Yep. And 60 to 80%, more 80% of all Arguments between husband and wife money. are money. Yeah. So imagine being able to eliminate yeah. 
80%. Now you're going to be more on purpose as a marriage, as a couple, as a unit. So love is going to be there talking about relationship and money. And then Matt Sapala is going to be there helping you stay in that romance (laughs) and create more intimacy in terms of how to relate to your work and how to relate to money. So Matt, MurderMediocrity.com, by the way, to get tickets. So how does one create financial security, right? Because I I think the dream, I don't care who we ask. We could talk to the Facebook listeners, those of you on Periscope, any of you listening right now, by the way, if you want to call in and ask a question, 773-591-1690. Everybody wants financial security. Mm -hmm. I don't care who you, I don't don't know one person who would say, nah, I'm straight. I like to financially struggle. Okay. How does one create financial security? I posted this on my Instagram a minute ago. It's five different ways. Five, I said five different ways to make a million dollars. Number one, you can be an employee, right? You can, mm-hmm. you can be committed to the man and hopefully he financially takes care of you. Sadly, is there any loyalty in corporate America? No. Okay. Number two, you can be what we call a capital gains millionaire, mm-hmm. right? You got to buy something and you got to sell it. Yep. I buy shoes, clean them up. I see this kid, uh, the, the shoe cobbler in Chicago. He buys shoes at the Goodwill store, mm-hmm. cleans them up, right? And sells them for, 50 bucks. Okay. That's a capital gains millionaire. Right. But you're constantly having to buy and sell. You constantly have inventory. Right. Third right. one is you can be a net worth millionaire. Like on paper, you're making a million bucks. You have properties, assets, business ownership, mm-hmm. right? That's another way to make millionaire. But it's all on paper. It's not liquid. And we feel a lot, a lot of tightness when it comes to mm-hmm. that money. Mm-hmm. Fourth one, you can get lucky. Ah. Uh, win a uh, uh, win lottery. Lotto. Marry right. By the way, though, uh-huh. I just read this article. I think it was in the USA Today. They highlighted 10 people who were poor uh-huh. before winning the lotto. And by the way, they won hundreds of millions, right? We yeah. ain't talking about 10 million lotto. Here we go. They won hundreds of millions of dollars. Right, but here we go. To tell the truth, though. And then all 10 of Man, them come on. within two years yes. were broke. Yeah. You know why? Because in the first thing we talked about, first thing we talked about. Mental. Exactly. They were still poor mentally. There's still holes in their foundation. Yep. And no matter how much money or water you pour into the situation, it's just gonna flow out. It's gonna flow out. It is just slower. Yeah. But there's still holes. That's why you gotta plug up. Hey man, two years ain't slow, bro. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, a hundred million in two years? What did you do? You know somebody that made a lot of money and bought Lambos, Ferraris, a house, boom, next thing it's all gone. 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 Because the holes, holes. And we know a lot of people like that. He's he's trying to guide him in the right way. He didn't want to listen. Yeah. Okay. So you can get lucky. So what I'm hearing is you can get lucky but that might not, I don't know if we can add that. I hate to bust your list up, Matt, but I don't know if we can add that to financial security because if you're lucky without the right mindset, well, if I get lucky, I'm yeah. financially secure. I mean, if, if I win, I'm going to tell you right now, if I win 300 million, it's on. Yeah. It's right. It's on. I mean, imagine if right. you luckily got a millionaire and then because of those associations and right. people coming at you, somebody finally guides you in the right way. Right. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. It. I got it. I got it. And then the fifth way mm-hmm. is becoming a cash flow. Having a business that provides you cash flow. Residuals. Residual income. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So, and I'm guessing the fifth way is the way you, you, you've done it. Because I have the most control. Uh, And I like having control. Listen, if I have 30 seconds left to live my life and uh I had to give my kids advice. Right. One of them would be always maintain control. Got it. Always be in control. Got it. So 2017 was the year of residuals for me. That's what I called it. And that's when I, I was like, all right, Linnell. You're doing well in terms of coaching. You got executive clients, athletes, entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're paying the bills. Mm-hmm. You know, you got money put up. But if something happened to me, as a matter of fact, last year is when my wife and I wrote policy with PHP. Uh, nice. Yeah. Yes. Right. Awesome, man. Right. Beautiful. So partly because if something happened to me, uh-huh. I need to make sure we're financially secure. 
Mm-hmm. I need to make sure that nothing changes in the life of my wife and my son. Yeah. If I can't talk on the radio, right? I mean, all it takes is a serious mouth injury. And it happens, mm-hmm. right? 80% of Americans are disabled before they, before they pass you away. You just mentioned Muhammad Ali. He was yeah. a talker. Yeah. He was a talker. And then health, health challenge. Yeah. yeah. So if I can't do this, how do I make sure they're going to be taken right. care of? Right. right. That was the thing for me. Okay. So the year of residuals. So not only did I create products in my business that could sell while I'm asleep. Yeah. Right. But I also wrote a large policy for my wife and I yeah. to make sure that if something happened to one of us, yeah. right, we would have Cash flow right. still coming into the home, yeah. right? And maybe you could talk a little bit about the policy I got. Sure. I think you know what policy I yeah, got, yeah. right? So yeah. I would still have cash flow coming into the home that would make us financially secure. Yeah. So, so absolutely, I, I think financial security, and that's why the insurance industry was created. Mm-hmm. I mean, insurance goes back two thousand years. Yeah. I mean, the Roman soldiers when they did time in the Roman army, they got paid what they called annuitatum, mm-hmm. which was now called an annuity, which okay. a common version is pension. Right. And that's that's what it was. And so, for example, I'm not an agent, but Rosie is, and, and she sells policies all the time through PHB agency. When when we sit down with clients, for example, when you got a policy, who, who's your agent? You know, uh, mom and uh, my mom and Juan and Juan, right? Yep. With Juan Maldonado and, and your mom, because life insurance policy today is a great way to create financial security, especially when we have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. we have cell phones. How often does a person at the uh, Best Buy or whatever say, "Okay, great, you bought this product. Would you like to insure it to make sure if it breaks?" All the time. All the time. All the DVD time. player, car insurance before mm-hmm. you roll off the car lot. Yep, insurance. You gotta have insurance. Insurance. You close out a house you bought. Yep, insurance. You need a homeowner's insurance. Yeah. But how come we don't insure the thing that pays for it all? Yeah. Which is life insurance. It's not supposed to be GoFundMe, but life insurance. Me. Right. Me. Exactly. Yeah. And so life insurance, commonly people think that, A, three functions of life insurance today, people only think about it one time. People think that life insurance is only when you die. It's not. No. Life no. insurance today, modern policies today, in case you have a change in health, a heart attack, stroke, cancer, you get into a car accident, you, you can't walk, you can't eat, you can't, you know, go from one bedroom to another. That's called the activities of daily living. Yep. If you can't put, the athletes love this too as well because of the whole CT and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, Tearing up a knee. If you can't perform a physical function because of a change in health, life insurance today will pay you that death benefit while you're alive. And so that's why, so I said, yep. 2017 was the year of residuals, yeah. right? That's why I purchased the policy I purchased. Yeah. And maybe, maybe talk a little bit about that policy. And not, I don't know that everybody can get into a policy like that, but I think in yeah. terms of financial security, this is, this is important, right? Because I tell you guys all the time, my job is to help you live the best life possible, mm-hmm. right? So if, and by the way, my purpose is to help myself yep. and others live the best life possible, yep. right? So me first, and then I help you guys, right? So one of the things for me in 2017, been two years as an entrepreneur, and one of the things that went over my mind, my wife had our son, and I'm like, okay, something happens to me, and everything's all good. Mm-hmm. Let's say a head injury. I'm not the brilliant coach that people know me to be, right? right? And I, I mean, I can't coach anymore. How do I maintain this level of living where if it is having to sit at home and watch Maury, yep. that at least when I want to go out, I could drive the same car? Right. 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 My wife can drive the same car mm-hmm. and my son can go to the same schools, do all the things that I envision, I dream for him to do. Yep. Right. So that's why I got this particular policy. But tell us a little bit more about about this. And by the way, let me tell you something, guys. I'm not trying to sell you on a thing. I'm just trying to help you live the best life possible. My purpose is your success. So share a little bit about this. Yeah. Guy. So would you build a financial home? Mm-hmm. Or would you build a home, that financial home? Would you yeah. build a home yeah. without a solid concrete foundation? No. That'd be stupid, right? Yeah. Same thing with our finances. Would yeah. you build a financial home without a solid foundation? And that's what life insurance is. 
before the 401ks, before the real estate, before the stocks, before the businesses, life insurance is what allows you, if everything was to collapse and a financial hurricane was to come in, mm-hmm. you can, at least you can financially rebuild. And that's what financial security through the life insurance industry provides. And, and in the worst times of life, I, listen, I've, I've done real estate. I've done stocks, bonds, mutual funds. I've done all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But nothing provides money during people's worst financial moments in their life that life insurance does. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's many clients, and that's what PHB Agency does. We go into the neighborhoods that the traditional life insurance industry has overlooked yep. and underserved because the average age of an agent in the industry today is a 60-year-old Caucasian male. Which means that for the most part, they're not serving people like us. Correct. Right? Uh, yeah. And and, and they're not serving my listeners. Right. Who, by the yeah. way, I believe needed more than the wealthy. Yep. Right? Chris Rock, he had a special years and years ago. It was in South Africa. And he said, he's like, let me tell you something. Millionaires and divorces, he was like, it ain't that bad. Right? <laughs> you know, you have a millionaire. He's got 200 million. His wife take half. He still got a hundred million dollars. <laughs> right? He was like, but... If I'm the regular Joe Blow on the street and I get making 30 grand a year and you take half, I might have to do something about that, right? Like, he was just, you know, half of 30, yeah. $30,000 is 15,000. That's a significant yeah. change. Yeah. But what happens is, and I want to talk about this. What happens is when someone says, Hey, Matt, hey, man, you know, you need to think about life insurance. Mm-hmm. Some people have a, a way of being like, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. You know, yeah. what what gives us that feeling? I mean, I, and I know for me, yeah. right, part of, so I have multiple policies, but every time I purchase a policy, there's been resistance. Every time. Why? The resistance for me is I'm spending money on something that I can't feel in touch right now. Yeah, right. Right? Yeah. That's the resistance. Yeah. I mean, this last policy I bought is the most expensive policy I have now, yep. right? Yep. That money is coming out every month, mm-hmm. and I can't feel it today, right? Right. right. Now, it is for something in the future to provide security, yep. but I'm curious for you, like, what, what other part, like, types of resistance do you notice in this business? So, for example, before, I, before I'm in the position I'm at right now, uh-huh. as, a, as a chairman's counsel, as a coach, teacher, mentor, leader, recruiter, uh, agency developer, I was an agent for 12 years. Mm-hmm. So I was a licensed agent from 1998 to 2010. So those, those 12 years, by the way, just because of those 12 years in this license, in this industry, I was able to make multiple high six-figure income. Okay. Right? So I learned how to sell, and I was selling in a wealthy industry. Mm-hmm. But the resistance I think people have is the context of what they relate life insurance towards. Okay. That everybody's going to enjoy it, not me. Uh, right? Yeah. And I don't want to finance my wife's next boyfriend. Uh, right. That's why you got to have a living trust. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can and, handle that. And that's, in a exactly, trust. The, that's right. exactly it. Because <laughs> right. with life insurance, if you do it right by having mm-hmm. a trust, you can control the money from the grave. That's right. Right. And so, because by the way, my wife ain't gonna have no living boyfriend. You know, based, <laughs> based on my trust, it, it don't go like that. Hey, you can't be living with nobody. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, those those documents can be said. And why do people think that way? Lack of financial literacy, lack of financial education, or school system. Here's why: When I got involved in the life insurance industry. And they told me the youngest a person can get a life insurance policy is nine days old. I'm mm. thinking to myself, who gets a nine day, who gets a policy for a nine year old policy is number one, people mm-hmm. who are thinking wealthy. Yeah. Like legend has a policy. Yeah. Le- right. That's the first policy we wrote with you guys. Nine, nine, yeah. day, nine days old. Yeah. Because they're thinking legacy. Yeah. They're thinking a living legend, right? They're thinking, right? They're thinking yeah. the old money down the road. Yeah. Absolutely. Broke mentality says, what, what, what's the point? 
Mm-hmm. Now, Rockefeller, everybody talks about Rockefeller, you know, 30, Rock and, uh, 30 Rockefeller Plaza in New York. Right. Rockefeller was the Sam Walton, Jeff Bezos, Amazon of his time. Yeah, yeah. The first thing he bought in the early 1900s was a $250,000 life insurance policy. Back then, life insurance policy. I didn't know policy, that. Yeah, life insurance policy back then were like 250 bucks, 500 bucks. So for him to buy a $250,000 policy wow. in the early 1900s, wow. so what did that do? It funded the Rockefeller Foundation. And the Rockefeller children are still billionaires today. Wow. All right, we got a couple of questions, man. I got oh, man. I got Michelle who has an insurance response. Michelle, how are you on the air? I'm great. Thank you. And thank you too, Maddie Matt. I yeah. call you Maddie Matt. Maddie Matt. I, really, I know who you are. Thank you both so much for coming on. It's been a great two hours, Lionel. Awesome. I have a question about insurances. And and here it is. Here's the situation. Mm-hmm. My mother had an insurance policy before she passed that would pay for her all of her debt. Okay. How is it possible that the insurance policy that was completely paid for, that would pay all of her debt, mysteriously disappeared and there was absolutely covered up no evidence of her having after she passes. Yeah. So, how is that possible? Yeah, I, I don't see how that is possible. Sometimes people think that a life insurance policy they purchased, was it a policy they purchased through the credit card, through the bank? How did you purchase that? She's already gone. Oh, she's already gone. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. so sometimes people think that credit life insurance is mm-hmm. actually life insurance. Uh, because life insurance, contractually speaking, if something happens to you and you have a policy with uh, an actual yeah, insurance yeah, company. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, an investment grade insurance company mm-hmm. is is there, and at the same time, where's the agent? I like to know where the agent. For example, Rosie, when she, you write life insurance policies, they're with an actual. They have a policy in hand mm-hmm. with an eight hundred number. And worst case scenario, if they didn't if they didn't uh, pay the claim, you can always file your grievances with the Life and Health Insurance Guarantee Association of Illinois, mm-hmm. which is right here in this place. So, so the other thing too to consider, Matt, is I know for me, I had great life insurance through my job. Mm-hmm. But when I left to be an entrepreneur, gone. it's gone, Yeah, right? And I knew that, which is one of the reasons why I was like, okay, let me go ahead and take care of this for myself, right? I'm going to set this up to make sure we're, we're financially secure. But that's something else where, you know, for your loved ones, when you're talking to them, you need to get very clear yeah, about what, what type is. of insurance. Is it through the job? Is it something they purchase? And if they purchase it through what company? Is it yeah. PHP agency? Yeah. Is it, you know, one of these other organizations yeah. out here, right? right? And where is the paperwork? Where's the contract? Yeah. I tell my wife all the time, something happened to me, top drawer, yep. in my file Perfect. cabinet, yep. and, it and it says life insurance. Yep. And this is my agent. Yeah. Right. It says life insurance. Yep. You go in that and, you, you know, start making phone calls and everything come together. That's, that's right. 100%. Yeah. Yep. So if somebody's buying life insurance, it's so important today because people are buying life insurance through websites and 800 numbers my, my best thing is you, you that's a check you want during the worst moments of your life yeah you better have representation and you want it to come in you want it to come in all right we got another phone call here from joel joel how are you you are on the air good morning uh my question is uh the life insurance is good but uh what if you have somebody maybe that had a car accident or maybe they had like open heart surgery or some kind of medical condition to the point where they can only get insurance from their job, but when they try to get insurance through regular insurance, they tell them, no, you can't get insurance because your health, that yeah, health. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's have our life insurance agent here, uh, Rosie Lagoon, answer that question. Go ahead, Rosie. 
Well, that's one of the things like life insurance, a lot of the, the times procrastination gets to us and we wait so long that it gets to the point where all of these health risks and all of the things that are happening to our health changes stops us from getting life insurance. But uh, the idea is to get it before you get sick, you know, and it's something that like you already been through like cancer and stuff like that. We can't really help you. It's not something that we don't we can't control. But one of the things that we always teach is financial education is procrastination. We can give you all the tools, give you all the concepts and get you uh, approved. But we can't help you with procrastination. And my father had a heart attack in 1998. I got involved in the insurance industry in 1998. I also found out that five years after a major health catastrophe, if everything's fine after those five years, within those five years, mm -hmm. they can reapply. But see, you, I think we have to remember, Matt, that this is a business, yep. right? Yep. I mean, would any of us buy a car that we know doesn't work, right? No. Right. So the insurance companies are like, hey, man, we, you know, we ain't going. Yep. You, you already sick. The likelihood yep. that we're going to have to make a payout very soon is here, and so... The risk is there. Right. You don't want to insure it. So, Joel, does that make sense? Yeah, it does, but it's just that, you know... Yeah. What can you do? I mean, I guess maybe you should... If someone is uninsurable, then maybe... What what other options would you do? Maybe start more businesses or something? <laughs> yeah, you have to self-insure. That's why yes. the show Breaking Bad... Yeah. You know that show Breaking Bad? Yeah. The reason why he became uh, Heisenberg was because <laughs> he couldn't get a life insurance policy and had cancer. Yeah, and he wanted to take care of his family. <laughs> So we're not telling you to go deal no, meth, not at all. but, but you know, maybe a legal side hustle, right? A legal side hustle to make sure that you can, you can bury your loved one and take care of them. All right. Thanks so much for the phone right, call, man. Joe. All right, Matt. So we got a few minutes left, man. What, what advice? I mean, you're going to be at the summit. And by the way, I want to be clear about something because, you know, when you start talking about, you know, life insurance and things they're like, oh man, they're trying to sell life insurance. No, no. What I'm selling, right? Not Matt. I asked Matt to come. What I'm selling is a brand new philosophy on how we think about work and money. Yep. And if we want to think about work and money, we got to start thinking about it differently. Yeah, because think about it. I've been doing this for 19 years. I've been in insurance industry for 19 years. Mm -hmm. I've got a ton of policies just like you, right? Yeah. Life insurance hasn't changed my life. Yeah. I've been doing this for 19 years. Yeah. Life hasn't. Life insurance hasn't changed your life. No, it hasn't. But it will. Exactly. But currently right now, what's changed my life is entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. What's changed my life is getting involved in a wealthy industry. What's changed my life is mentors. What's changed my life is being able to give give to people, helping them get what they want. So that, and, and what happens? I get what I want, mm -hmm. right? And, and and leading, coaching, teaching people. So you have a brand called Entre Athlete, Entre Athlete, Entre Athlete, Entre Athlete, yeah, Entre Athlete, Entre Athlete. Okay, all right. Tell me a little bit about your philosophy and why you bring athlete into that. Number one, I'm a frustrated jock. Okay. Right? All, right. Uh, right. All right. I've always wanted to play the big game, but obviously it wasn't uh, physically gifted. And, and by the way, everyone, I didn't ask him this earlier on purpose because you got to come to the summit to really hear mm. his philosophy around this concept of entre-athlete. Mm. So, so, so tell us a little bit, a little teaser at the end of the show. Teaser. I treat business like sport. And when I treat business like sport, I can still win my championship. In this prime of mm -hmm. my life, mm -hmm. will not just last for five, six, seven, eight years of my in my 20s, mm -hmm. but being an entrepathlete, if you treat business like sport, this prime can last you for generations. And is that how you've been successful? Is this, I mean, this philosophy you have around combining entrepreneurship and, you know, the, the mentality of an athlete, the mental toughness of an athlete, yeah. the uh, rigor 
mm-hmm. of an athlete. Because, by the way, every successful athlete has rigor. I mean, yeah. LeBron James, right, 12 yeah. hours of sleep during the season. People don't know this. 12 hours of sleep during the season. Four-hour workouts every day, right? And wow. then after that, time with his children, and he plays. Yeah, That's his rigor, right? Yeah. That's the reason he's on top. That takes discipline. For a sustained period of time. So this concept of yours around combining entrepreneurship and athleticism, tell me how it's made you successful. It allows me to say, you know, let me show up early. Let me stay mm-hmm. late. Let me work out. Let me work out. Let me study the tape. So, for example, when I'm recording myself, how many times people, when they record themselves on video, they say like stuff like this. Oh, I don't like watching myself on video. I just can't stand yeah, here listening yeah, to myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. But All you have time. to. But you yeah. have to. Yeah. Because you are selling. You are presenting, mm-hmm. you are showing your craft, your specialty, your expertise. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know how to deliver that in a way that's accepted by a lot of people and received and, and, and find a way to be entertaining, they're not going to listen to you. You're right. So, so you have to train yourself. You have to train yourself. Just like an athlete studies how studies opponents. And athletes are always pushing for the next level. Yep. And so what I'm hearing that some of what you're going to teach us at the summit it's how to push for the next level in our work, yep. how to push for the next level in our finances yep. and the mentality that that takes. Yep. Right. Because sure. I, I know for me, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here. We got what? Four cameras in the room. Yeah. Sure right. Do. There was a time where I would have been petrified to do the show right. on camera. Right. But I had to push myself past that. And now it's like second nature. I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> camera around. I'm talking to the mic. I got the camera going. It's on mad. Then I turn it back on me. All those right. things are happening and it's almost automatic. But I have to train myself yep. that. And so what I'm gaining is one of the things that you're going to help us understand is how to train ourselves to think differently about our work and how we relate to our work, but also think differently about our money and how we relate to that money. Yeah, because money money loves activity. (sighs) Money loves friends. If you don't have money with other friends that are active, money's going to go away, man. Man, hey, the people you surround yourself with, people. That's that's why, hey, every speaker that's coming to the summit, everybody's married. And I told Pam, I'm like, Hey, I want you guys to know this, right? I told Pam, we're going to dinner with all of them. They're all going to be our close friends. Yes. yes. Why? Because every speaker is crazy, madly successful. One, I'm not bringing just mediocre people to a murder mediocrity summit. <laughs> oh, no. Right? Okay. Everybody's vastly successful in their own way, and they're financially secure. Nice. Those are the kind of people we want to hang out with, the people we want to learn from, right? So that way, when when Matt, Sheena... Pam and I all sitting around talking. Guess what we're probably going to end up talking about? Yeah, ka-ching, ka-ching. <laughs> right, right, and having fun doing it, right, and learning from each other how to make ourselves better. Right. So, Matt, it's been wonderful having you on the show, I, brother. I, I'm honored to be here, and, and I look forward to seeing everybody at the Media, Murder Mediocrity Summit. MurderMediocrity.com to buy your tickets. You can go get it. And for those of you watching me on my uh, live stream, make sure you're there. I will be there. Uh, some special things will be uh, – I'm, I'm going to do something special for the guys that are following me. But, mm-hmm. uh, listen, I'm excited to be there. Looking forward to increasing my associations too as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you all so much for listening. As always, every Sunday morning, I'm here. Inspirational Perspective with Linnell Harris, your coach, right here on WVON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. Let me tell you something. If you just tuned in and you hate that you missed the show, you can go to the Inspirational Perspective Facebook page, like the page, watch the show. You can also watch it on YouTube. Check the show out on YouTube. Follow me at Linnell Harris on your social media channels. Go to MurderMediocrity.com. Get your ticket. This summit will sell out. Have a wonderful Sunday morning, everyone. Woo! Love you.